All right, all right, all right, all right. Is it coming through? Barely, a little bit. There it is, a little bit more. Maybe, I don't know. Am I through? I think you can hear me now. All right. Let's bring it in. Hey, David. David. That's right. <laughs> so statistically, according to Macy, Macy always speaks truth too. She said that she heard the other day that you gain on average 10 pounds during the holidays. Isn't that crazy? Because you're like, look, I've already had four eggs. What's another two? So uh, I've already had one piece of pie. What's another? And then the following day, you say, you know what? I'll start my diet on Monday because yesterday I had two pieces of pie, 14 eggs, three pieces of turkey. I might as well just eat the leftovers today. So, um, and then Sunday comes, and you do the same thing, and then Monday comes, and, and then you realize, you know what? These pants are fitting a little bit tighter. So... Yesterday, um, my dad always wants to play football with me and Sammy. One, because he feels like Peyton Manning. So, so historically, historically we play, and his, uh, his health over the past several years has declined pretty quickly. In, in his mind, he thinks he can do it. So yesterday, we ended up playing the, the annual um, Brown one-on-one um, turkey bowl. And, and I won, of course. I'm still young enough to beat Sammy. But dad, during the first play, he said, all right, this is what we're going to do. He, he likes this V route. Fake you, like you're going to come this way and then cut back in because he wants to be able to hit you on the cut. You know, so you make the cut and then he wants to feel good about the throw. I said, dad, I don't know if you can do it. So he backs up and he, he throws it. I made the perfect cut, got my hands up and he dirts it right in front of me. <laughs> Literally, I mean, he's feeling good. He said, I'm ready. And I even, I, I realize this, you know what? You are getting older. You're not old yet. You're getting older. So I'm going to buy a little kid's football for you. <laughs> I literally bought a junior ball to bring it because last year it was bad. So um, he, he dirted the junior ball three feet in front of me and we had to change everything after that. New, new game plan. Nevertheless, what ended up happening after that is um, I'm not going to let Sammy beat me. And um, so I hit my shoulder. So my left shoulder's in quite the pain today. I got the victory. Means nothing. But um, my shoulder's in pain today. And so that was my Thanksgiving in a nutshell. It was good. I won. Dad, mentally, we need to pray for him. <laughs> Please keep my dad in prayer. <laughs> Confessions of a pastor, right? <laughs> Nevertheless, you, do you know that the average person likes three coverings on their bed? Do you know that? That's just a blanket statement, though, so don't worry about it. <laughs> don't even worry about it. How many meet three? 
How many of you guys have three on the bed, though? Many of you, yeah. We have two, and I think two is too many for me, but it's too hot. Nevertheless, let's pray. And um, you know what's really unique about this prayer? We have to remember this, is that when, when I'm getting ready to speak right now, I'm not speaking, I'm not preaching, I'm not sharing. When I'm speaking right now, we're actually speaking to the king of the universe. The guy who spoke everything into existence, the being that spoke everything into existence, we get to go before him in a couple moments and talk to him. And what's really unique about that is um, Scripture alludes to a sheep get to know their shepherd's voice. So not only do we get to talk to him, but as sheep, he is our shepherd, we also get to hear his voice in return. And that's really comforting as well, that, that the conversation isn't always a one-way conversation, that we actually have the ability for it to be two ways. So when I pray, I usually expect God to speak something back to me as well. I don't know when. Maybe he chooses immediately, or maybe he chooses to do it um, a day or two later. He often uses other people to speak to me. Other times he brings it right, right in front of my face, where it's just like, wow, that was crazy. Nevertheless, we're getting ready to talk to God. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? The creator of everything, the most famous person in, in existence. We're getting ready to pray to him, talk to him, speak to him and share our concerns with him. So let's position ourselves to remember what we're doing. Let's not become so caught up in what's normal or, or what's common. Commonly, when we go to prayer, we just, we just do it, right? We just commonly say, well, let me say this. And often what's common is then whenever we pray, we're actually preaching. You guys ever get those people too? Oh, I pray for uh, my dad because uh, he needs to throw the football better <laughs> if he would just spend more time stretching. So we start preaching to the people around us to try to fix their situations. And when we're preaching, we're speaking to people rather than speaking to God. And that's very, very, very common. But in a normal Christian walk, we actually speak to our king. So let's position ourselves right now to speak to our father about what he's, uh, his word and what he's going to do in our lives today. God, thank you um, again for this morning. Thank you for me even be, being able to um, experience shoulder pain I pray today that you would move in our hearts. God, I ask that um, everything that individuals and even as a community that we're dealing with, that we would begin to see your presence at work. I ask that you would break the common things in our life, in our lives. And help us get to the place of what's normal as Christians. And I don't even know what normal is, God, all the time, but um, I'm challenged by it. So give us ears to hear today. Give us feet willing to be obedient, a heart willing to receive, and a mind that will comprehend the good things that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share with you a story. Um, it was Wednesday night. 
um, had a couple late meetings, I, so I came into the office a little bit later. And several weeks ago, I had, I, I shared with you my earbud story, right? That I was walking at the new Fairborn Kroger, and I had my earbuds in. And while I was bebopping along, just listening to a podcast, a guy waved me down. And clearly, I'm sociable. I don't mind talking to people. So I went up to him, and I said, what? <laughs> I had the headphones in. <laughs> huh? I just woke 30 of you up. What? And he said, hey, how do you like those headphones? I said, you know what? Those headphones, uh, they're really neat. He's like, you work out? You can't tell? <laughs> Come on now, man. You can't tell? Said, well, I used to work out. I dream of working out. I work out of my office. Yeah. So then what ended up happening is, um, long story short, after basically being an Apple salesperson, I said, hey, how can I pray for you? I don't feel like this is just a random opportunity that you just wanted to know about the headphones. So right then and there, I had, my, uh, had an opportunity to pray for a new friend, and his name was Ryan. Ryan Clark was, the, was his name. He's originally from Washington, D.C. He's based down in Dayton um, in the Air Force. So I had the opportunity right there because of headphones to be, um, to be used by God. So um, Macy then asked, when I started to share with her the story later in the evening, she said, did you give the headphones away? I said, no, I kept them. I didn't feel like God wanted me to give them away. <laughs> I really didn't. I didn't hear to give them away. I appreciated that she thought I might be that generous. Um, so Wednesday, I'm at the store and I had the opportunity to take Macy to work, and we like to have time with each other wherever and whenever we can. So I took her to work, so I uh, needed to pick her up, of course. So I went to Whole Foods to grab a few things down a date and to spare some time, and I was actually on the phone with Ken. And um, I'm still in the aisle, I'm getting ready to turn up another aisle, and a guy who already checked out was walking out, he waved at me. What? had my headphones in, I'm talking. So he came up to me, I said, Ken, hold on a second. And he said, how do you like those headphones? And I'm like, I said, you know what, I'm not even gonna let him ask me if I work out. I'm gonna put it on him first. <laughs> Sir, you work out? Because <laughs> if, if, you, if you work out, he's like, no, I don't. And I'm thinking to myself, I could totally tell. <laughs> I mean, I just could. I just didn't want you to ask me. He said, no, I don't work out. I said, but these headphones, they're really great. I already knew what to say based upon selling them to this other, uh, to Ryan two weeks ago. I sold another pair. But this is what I told him. As I said, look, I want to share with you that a couple weeks ago, a guy came to me and he asked me about these headphones and it actually turned into a God moment. And I said, I don't believe that these headphones are actually what really matters in this conversation. What really matters in this conversation is that God really loves you and he wants to do something in your life tonight. And every, his disposition changed. And I said, how can I pray for you right now? And he had to think about it. He said, well, we just started a business, my wife and I. And when he said my wife and I, God immediately spoke to me. And he said, his wife has been going through hurt her whole life and God wants to bring healing. So I looked at him, his name was Phillips. I said, Phillips, God wants to bring healing to your wife. 
that she's been dealing with since being a young child. And his eyes started to water up. And I said, I think God's going to use you to do that. And his ears just watered right there in um, Whole Foods. And we're kind of sitting in between leaving and the aisles. And um, I said, and even these headphones, the headphones don't represent nice headphones. The headphones actually represent God wanting you to know that he can hear you because you question whether there's a God or not. And the tears just continued to increase and increase and increase. And I said, do you know who LeBron James is? I, he said, yeah. I said, you know what? Many people know of who God is, but God says it's not what you know, it's not who you know, but it's who knows you. And God is saying tonight, Phillips, that he wants to have a relationship with you. And that's what the headphones represent. That's why um, these headphones are here. And um, I said, I'm going to pray for you. So right then and there, in Whole Foods, praying for him on the phone with Ken. Don't even know what Ken's doing. I forget him on the phone. Ken's on the phone praying, praying for Phillips right then and there. And um, right in Jesus' name, amen, Phillips said, can I have your phone number? So on Thanksgiving, um, text Phillips, wished him a happy Thanksgiving, and we're going to get together for coffee. And what I want to share with you in that story is this, is that if God can use headphones, God can use you, right? We have to make ourselves available to be willing to look at those weird opportunities as um, things that, we can, that God wants to use in our life, right? So Ryan, through Apple headphones, and Phillips, through Apple headphones, have been encouraged to pursue the kingdom of God. What weird thing in your life is God trying to use? We have to listen. We have to be available for that, right? Amen? We, you're not too old and you're not too young to be used by Christ. And that, those opportunities right there, you know what that makes it for me? It makes a God in a box that I just kind of speak about into a God that's very personal. So when I share with Macy then uh, on the way home, I'm like, you just won't believe how funny God is. She's like, what? I said, so I was at Whole Foods and I had my headphones on and she said, did you give them away? <laughs> I said, no, because God didn't ask me to. So I'm not asking you to make things up over the season. I'm not asking you to just do things that um, you feel like you have to do. But just be in stride with the Spirit, right? Scripture alludes to that. Step by step with the Spirit. Step by step, step by step. And just do what you feel like God's saying. So I bless you guys to be obedient servants, to be willing to take risks in very odd ways over the next season. And I look forward to hearing your stories. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're going to continue in the series of what's common versus what's normal. And they sound um, a lot alike, right? Last, last week we had the opportunity to talk about King David. And what was, um, what's really common in the Christian walk, and even the human walk, just take Christianity out of it, is that we often hold people to the rules. 
hold'em to uh, the laws, the rules. And really, when we try to restore people, we always restore people back to the place, not always, but often, we restore people back to the place of submission to us. So when a track kid doesn't do what I want them to say, I often um, punish them in such a way that restores them back to doing what I told them to do. Likewise, as parents, as people, as friends, as peers, we often restore people back to the place of submission to us rather than a relationship with Christ. Therefore, when God alluded to, this is kind of like the Netflix recap episode before, when God was talking to King David and he said, King David, you are a man after my own heart. You will do everything that I've told you to do that blew my mind and should blow all of our minds because then in 2 Samuel 11, we just read how King David did some very questionable things. Normal, in the normal Christian walk, we always should restore people back to a relationship with Jesus Christ, not to a place of submission to us. Now, look, there's always things that if someone does something, you always there's still accountability. That's not what we're saying. And I think all of us in the room understand there's always this challenging balance between what's common and what's normal. But what we have to do is willing, be willing to say, God, I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to take risks. I'm willing to um, do things that um, aren't always so common. So that's kind of where we tried to address it last week. And um, this week we get to talk about our time. It's very common for us in this world to think that our time and our resources are our own. My time, my time, my time. But what's normal is that our time and our resources are about a community rather than self. And I know practically it sounds, um, oh yeah, that's right. Sunday mornings, that's our community, that's our fellowship. But God, I believe, created us to be in very personal relationships um, daily, every other day, very regular, just not Sunday morning. See, it is common for the world to tell us what to do with our time, right? It's also possible that other believers tell us what to do with our time as well. So we may hear things like, maybe, so when people are trying to tell us what to do with our time, we might hear things like, Maybe you should use your abundance. Maybe you should use your abundance to help others. Or what are you going to do with that abundance 30 years from now? Maybe we hear things like, do what makes you happy. Have you guys heard that lately? You see it on commercials. You see it on cartoons. You see it everywhere. Do what makes you happy, Jimmy. Just do it. Because you want to know what my heart wants to do? What makes me happy? Do what makes you happy. We don't care about what's right. We don't care about what's truthful. Just do what makes you happy. We hear that a lot. We hear things like, you should only serve if it makes you happy. Or you should only serve if you have time for it. We hear things like, you need to protect your time. We also maybe hear things like, 
Well, how has the church served you lately? All of them might even have a little bit of truth to them. But what challenges me is I don't think they're 100% truthful. We individually might tell ourselves, I need time to myself. I need a break. I've worked hard for this money. This will put more stress on me. I don't trust them with it. Those are things we might be sharing or thinking or feeling. Any of you guys feel any of those? A couple of us? It sometimes feels like we have convinced ourselves that we are strong enough to do this life by only seeing other believers once a week, once a month, or on Facebook, right? And what I, the core of what I want to share today is this, is that a lot of the emotions that we're feeling, the scripture alludes to this, you can't live on bread alone. So a lot of the issues that our generation's actually facing is because they're living on bread alone. Like, if I were to only eat once a week, I'd have a problem. I wouldn't be healthy. I looked like the guy, at least the guy asked me if I worked out. That was nice. You know, he thought maybe I did. If I only ate once a week, no one would ask me if I worked out. Likewise, one of the problems with, our, with a generation, meaning everyone who's alive, is that we try to live on bread alone. So a lot of the problems we're facing emotionally and spiritually, um, mentally, communally, is because we're not reading God's word. It's just a basic principle that you can't live on bread alone. So you're wondering why, like there's symptoms. If I'm not eating, I'm weak, I'm tired, right? I don't have strength that I need. I have headaches, I'm dehydrated. If I'm not doing those things, there's, there's repercussions that would be obvious, Likewise, within our generation, we're only living on bread alone. Or, yeah, bread alone, so then therefore, guess what? We're not living by every word that comes from God. Therefore, there's symptoms, but because we're human beings, we only apply these symptoms to what's practical. So what we say is, well, if I had more money, I'd feel happy. Well, if I had more time, I'd be happy. Well, if I had more resources, I'd be happy. Well, if this person would just be a better person, I'd be happy. Well, if, well, if, well, if, well, if. Simply put, you can't live on bread alone. Feed yourself. And I, I bet this, if you would feed yourself with God's word on a regular basis, if you'd be, if you'd be fully nutritious with God's word, get those nutrients a lot of the things that you're dealing with would go away. They would. So I share that to share this. That's one. We need God's word. <coughs> guess, what, um, guess what else we need? Fellowship. We need each other. Those feelings, those emotions, um, the spiritual droughts that we feel like we may be in, that if we're reading God's word, but we're also in fellowship and community, those things will go away. 
It is common to see believers only engaged in fellowship when it comes to Sunday mornings. That's common. In the Christian world, it's common. The pinnacle, the peak, the best part of the Christian's walk is on Sunday mornings. So five years ago, five and a half years ago, uh, Mason and I got married. I had Mondays and Fridays off of work as a church leader, which was interesting because it just felt like you never had any day off. Mondays and Fridays, it was just interesting. Nevertheless, um, you'd get worn out. We had seven services a week between youth and between um, other services. We had services Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, meetings Monday, Tuesday, or Tuesday, um, Thursday. So it was just always running. And it was like Friday, didn't know what to do because I, I needed to recover. And then back at it Saturday, back at it Sunday. Monday, needed to recover. And every bit of me was like, I need fellowship. I need to hang out with my friends. I need to be a part of a community. I need to do things. But then this voice that always talked to me was like, you need to relax. You need, you need your time. It's just about you and Macy. Your time, your time, your time. This is your time, your time, your time. So months went by where on Mondays and Fridays I would sit there and I'd long for community. I long for participation. I would long for something greater in my life. But I'd sit there on the couch longing for it and then doing something and thinking that whatever I was doing was going to make me happy, whether it be watching a TV show, catching up on sports, whatever. I felt like me sitting there was going to refuel me the way that I needed to be refueled, right? And it didn't. And this just went on for months and months. I longed for it. I told myself I'd go hang out with friends, but it's Monday and Friday. Most friends are working. What am I going to do? I want to do it, I want to do it, but what I ended up doing is I just sat there and did nothing. And then finally one day, because God is faithful, I said, God, what do I do? And he um, spoke to me. He said, Joey, I want you to turn to 1 Peter. I said, okay, so I went to 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 8. Scripture said this, Stay alert, watch out. Your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So how many of you guys have ever watched Discovery Channel or Animal Planet? And um, watched lions hunt prey. Well, what I figured is this is um, since, since some of you guys don't have cable or never seen it, what I wanted to show you is a video clip of a lion killing and eating its prey today. So let's, let's watch that clip. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tech booths up there are like, what? <laughs> I just wanted you to see how graphic it was. I see you, Donna. Donna's like, oh, Lord, Jesus, I can't see this. No. A lion, what it, what it desires to do is actually when it goes up to a herd of 
animals, whatever the herd may be. It wants to isolate. It wants to separate one because once it's separated from its community, from its fellowship, from, from the uh, protection of the pride or the flock or the squad or the team, the herd, what, whatever, whatever it is, once it was separated, then basically the lions had won. They knew that they could corner it, they could trap it. But there was always more protection and more power within the community. And what God spoke to, spoke to me, he said, look, Joey, you're not even being isolated by the enemy. You're actually isolating yourself. It wasn't even that I was walking with the community on Mondays and Fridays and then just kind of doing this. It was like I didn't even engage the community. I just said, here I am, come get me. I isolated myself. Satan, here I am, come get me. I didn't, um, I didn't position myself within the community, so I isolated myself. <clears throat> and I said, I better change this. I better change that I don't isolate myself. <coughs> because there's power and there's protection within the community. We want it. We need it. But we walk away from it. Because we continue to believe the lie. We continue to believe the lie that it's all about me. It's all about my family. So, God is the creator, right? He spoke everything into existence. Satan, therefore, is the replicator. He's the deceiver. He is um, the counterfeit. And what I want to say today, uh, very boldly, yet very um, kindly, take it for what it is, community is not Facebook. I'm serious. Can I get a witness? <laughs> no, you see how I did this? Community is not Facebook. And then I heard a few, and I'm like, okay, praise Jesus. It's not. Now look, for those of you in here today whose feathers that ruffle, I want to say this. You're probably thinking, well, well Facebook helps me stay connected with all my friends and family from around the world and within the community. Oh, so you haven't watched one cat video this week. You haven't seen one dog video doing something pretty cute. Come on now. Because that had anything to do with your family in China. It didn't. We believe that communities become about Facebook, but actually, just call your family. Just call them. Don't text them. Or go see them. Go visit them. So there's a study about Facebook that someone who gets on social media, not just Facebook, any social media outlet, five to six times a day, has a three times more likely to be clinically depressed. Now you say to yourself, look, the prince of the air rules the earth. 
Therefore, there's going to be counterfeit things. And now look, just as smartphones are good things, guess what? They're also bad things. Just as Facebook can be a good thing, it can be a very bad thing. Now, the challenge within that is we have to be able to address our own heart in all those situations. If, if our phone is a bad thing for us, if we love God, we'll get rid of it. Why would we continue to want to put that in our life? If Facebook is bad for us, I dare you to get rid of it. What good is it? Just get rid of it. Because... Why is it that there's this counterfeit community called Facebook that presents to us that you can stay connected and blessed by your friends, but yet we're addicted to it, we're stuck on it, and we feel like we have to get on it daily? There's actually statistics right now that Facebook wants you to be on it much longer, so they actually um, have bots that will like for someone else. So I was wondering why Jimmy liked this post of mine the other day. Jimmy never liked it. I'm not wondering that, but that's what the bot does, is it actually appears on your Facebook as if someone else liked it because we have a generation that wants to be liked. We have a generation that wants to be affirmed. So then they understand the more likes that I get, the more that I'm going to come back to it. And we see how it actually becomes more, more of a counterfeit to us because Facebook is actually calling us to be liked there on the marketplace of Facebook. So we want to be liked. We want to be liked. But where is our real identity? It's not in our likes on Facebook. Our real identity is actually in the acceptance of our Father in heaven. So we see this counterfeit right there within social media saying, hey, Come be affirmed. Come be liked. Let me speak life and destiny into you over here. And it's pulling us away from everything that we need to be accepted by, which is the one true king, Jesus Christ, died and resurrected. So we're always worried about our likes and acceptance from all the wrong places, when in reality, if we would spend time within our community and be affirmed and appreciated and valued, then everything within our heart has a greater opportunity to be fixed. So I want to read to you a study based upon Facebook. This was a study carried out by the University of Pittsburgh, and um, researchers questioned about 2,000 people of many different ages. Um, they used the 11 most popular social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, Snapchat, Reddit, Tumblr, Pinterest, <clears throat> Vine, and LinkedIn. At the time they con conducted this was 2014. They found out that people who visited these websites about five to seven times a day. Now that doesn't, so you get on Facebook, you get off of it. You get back on Facebook, you get off of it. Then you get on Pinterest, you get off of it. You get back on Facebook. So five to, doing that five to seven times a day, um, you are three times more likely to feel lonely than those sites if you did that less than that. So if you do that um, five to seven times, 
three times more likely to feel lonely. So you get on it and you're like, man, I feel lonely. I don't even know why. So what it suggests is that it has been, um, social media has contributed to the rise of FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. But this uh, study suggests that the problem may be more serious. So every time you get on Facebook, you could, this could be you. So the first thing that this study revealed was, the problem was insecurity when we get on Facebook. Facebook newsfeed seems to be endless bombardment of engagement of announcements, baby arrivals, job promotion, weight loss, and flawless selfies. Thank you, Stu. Yes. It's all that turkey. So all we ever see on Facebook is the positive stuff, right? Most of the time. Happy stuff, happy cats, happy dogs. Baby arrivals, good pictures, engagements. And we, we often say this, wow, they really have it together, right? I wish I was as pretty as her. I wish someone actually knew that I worked out. You don't see me posting these pictures. <laughs> So when I see these pictures on Facebook, what am I thinking? I wish I had pecs like him. <laughs> it can be a constant reminder of what's not going on in my life, often resulting in me feeling inadequate. We don't think about it, but subliminally, those are the things that are going on. When others post their whereabouts, what parties they're attending, and other exciting life events, people begin to feel like they are missing out. Studies show that Facebook users are constantly comparing themselves to others in the name of community. I have community in, in my Facebook, but in... In my community, all I'm ever doing is comparing myself to others. So that's one thing. Community does not pick on insecurities of people. It doesn't pick on the inadequacies of people. In community, we don't compare ourselves to others. We value the uniquenesses. And what else do we, what else do, we do? We actually restore people in their weaknesses to a relationship to the community and to Jesus Christ. That's what we talked about last week. We don't pick on people's insecurities. We don't pick on their, their doubts. We don't pick on their inability to do this. See, what we need to realize about Facebook is Facebook's only a snapshot of someone's life. It's not the whole picture. And we're comparing our lives to a snapshot, the best snapshot that that person had that day to their lives. Facebook, in the name of community, distracts us. Or social media, in the name of community, distracts us. It's pretty clear how social media can decrease our productivity, right? 
you watch one video and then you see the next one and it's like, oh, it's just two minutes. And then the next one's like, oh, it's just 45 seconds later. And then the next one's like, oh, just one more. And then you start negotiating with yourself, right? You know what? If I just stay on here till 3.30, um, then I can do this and then do this and then do this. And then you actually are negotiating with the things that you're distracted by. I told Macy on thir uh, Thursday evening, Friday morning, I said, you want to know why holidays in America are so good? It was actually yesterday morning. I said, because grandfathers and dads and grandmothers can simply go buy a loaf of bread and bring that to the Thanksgiving table and feel like they've accomplished something. That's the only obligation that we have to do that day, and that's why Thanksgiving's so special. Because the only, no, serious, the only obligation that we have to do is to make food and to enjoy one another. There's not these other outside pressures. So Macy's responsibility is to make the fruit salad. She can find joy in making the fruit salad and bringing it where we're supposed to bring it because that's the only responsibility for her that day. The reason why many people are depressed within America is because they feel like they're never living into the things that they're supposed to be living into. They never feel like they've done enough. What have I accomplished? What have I done? Within a lot of our careers and daily um, life, there's never really a clear objective of what to complete to say that I did today very well. Often leaving us questioning, how good am I? Facebook keeps us from accomplishing the things that are bring us bring wholeness to our life. Now, Facebook isn't the only distraction, whatever social media. And the only reason we're using social media today as kind of the brunt of the joke is simply because it's in the name of community. Social media has always been in the name of community. We spend countless hours looking at news feeds, funny drama, but imagine if what all could be accomplished if we were not so caught up in the matrix of social media. Just let it go. Let it go today. I dare you. Drop social media. And you know what? If that ruffles your feathers, that's okay. But, um, yeah, we won't go there. God bless you. Addiction. Social media addiction is a real thing. So when we raise, when you raise kids, when I was raised, the things that I did really well, guess what I was told? Good job. You did it right. And then when I didn't do things well, you didn't do a good job. Do better. Do this differently. Positive reinforcement is a parenting technique or a coaching technique that you actually use to try to get the result that you want. Clinically, there are many people who are addicted to Facebook because of all of the, or social medias because of all the positive reinforcement. So then because you're addicted, then you're willing to be distracted and you're willing to face those insecurities because of the addiction that you have. Addictive Properties come from the positive reinforcement. 
um, receive when we get a like. Facebook and other social medias can act as a means of reinforcement to keep us from thinking about the challenges we face each day. Ooh, someone liked my picture. I don't need to worry about the test I have to take later because someone thinks I'm really pretty right now. Positive reinforcement, we go back to it, right? In other words, Facebook becomes a place that is an addictive escape for us. Just, just as our friends like our posts, it can give us a sense of importance that can further reinforce our social media usage. Like I said, parents reinforce kids because they want good behavior. When we're reinforced by this community, we stay addicted to it. <clears throat> the last thing, then we'll get back to God's word that I want to say about social media, this false community is it actually creates social anxiety. We often use social media to stay connected with others, but it is not even close to the real human interaction, which is essential for human needs. It's essential that we meet with people face-to-face. It's essential that we hang out with people, that we talk to people on the phone. Essential. One author states, for those already prone to social anxiety, a dependence on social media can make one even more anxious when confronted with face-to-face interactions. As communicating behind the comfort of your computer screen becomes more common, real human interactions can become a scary thing for some. Just as social media can increase our anxieties about communicating with others, it can also have the opposite effect in increasing our fears of being alone. Through social media, a constant feeling of being connected to people we know is always within reach of our smartphones. How do people date nowadays? It's never, sorry, it's rarely. It's rarely this, we met at church. It's rarely this, we, um, we met at the fair. It's rarely we saw each other at the community. It's rarely we were high school sweethearts. What is it? Is there so many apps? It's, you were really pretty, so I got a hold of you, right? Or we swiped, swiped, swiped. The younger generation really knows what I'm talking about, but basically... It's just based upon looks, and then it's based upon what you want to say behind the computer, behind texting. It's never about interaction with community. So what's happening is we communicate one way behind the computer, right? Behind Farmers Only. Anyone on Farmers Only in here? (laughs) Yeah, Justin, I see you. Farmers Only, right? And then when we see them face to face, it creates this anxiousness within us because it's like, I don't even know how to interact with you. Because all I've ever done is like said these really provocative things on the phone. And then I've tried to get pictures before we've, I've even taken you out on a date. Trying to get these pictures. And then now it's just weird. Nevertheless, 
the constant pseudo-connection social media offers can foster a fear of being disconnected or alone. However, being able to be alone with oneself is necessary development, a developmental task. So we have to be able to have time away, and we have to have face-to-face -face community, right? Nevertheless, how do we break this common pattern of feeling isolated? Facebook makes us feel isolated. Do you guys ever feel that way when you get off Facebook? Any of you guys? Like, maybe, like, observe yourself. Test it this week, right? Nevertheless, so how do we break this common pattern in our life about feeling isolated? We authentically take a risk to go against the grain and engage community. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. <laughs> I was so blessed um, when reading this scripture in Acts because um, it's fun. And I know last week we talked about imagine if King David was in here. Imagine if an adulterous murderer um, person was in here, crazy guy, wasn't, wasn't obedient, was supposed to be. So what would we think of him? Well, this week I want to ask you this. And maybe we need to do an imagine if series but I'm going to read to you some scripture, and I want you to imagine if this were to happen here. Um, yeah, I mean, this is crazy. Imagine if. So, um, yep, let me, let me read a little bit for you. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing, like blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues, in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Okay. We get a phone call later from our aunt who lives in Texas. Well, how was church today, Joseph? Auntie, thanks for calling. Church was really interesting today. There was this wind that came from heaven, right? It was this heavenly wind. This wind came from heaven, and it was rushing through the whole house. And people started to speak in other tongues, right? And, and, and then we saw tongues of fire, and these tongues were like separated. What would my aunt say? Whatever church you go to, I don't even care that it's a conservative Mennonite church. They're heretics. That didn't happen. God wouldn't do that. We would read it plain as day, even in your new King James Bible or King James. You'd read about this moment in the NIV, in the ESV, in the NLT. Tongues, we saw tongues of fire separated. That's crazy to me. Imagine if we had that here. 
I guess one of the main things we want to gather from that is God can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, if he wants. And when people, look, I'm praying that people will get healed here at Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship. I'm praying that people will get delivered here at Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship. I'm praying that people will get, um, that we will see God move in a very miraculous way here. We want to see God move and transform people's lives. Why would, we, why would we not? If God's not a good God, why would we not want to see those things? Now look, if we saw tongues of fire here, it'd freak me out. It would. I'd have to go back to Scripture, and when I, when I found it, I'd say, God, help teach me what you're trying to do here. But when we start to see those things happen on a more regular basis here, there's scriptural context for it. So imagine if those things, uh, sorry, not imagine if, imagine when. Imagine when those things start to happen here at Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship. Nevertheless, many of, this room, uh, many of us in this room would certainly hold the church if those things happen, to a rule-driven relationship rather than a relationship to Jesus. Nevertheless, immediately, or kind of immediately after this, Peter stood up with the 11 and addressed the crowd. So we start to see some form of a church being created. Peter was certainly full and led by the Spirit. And um, after he kind of gives this sermon, very passionate, um, I'm sure. Peter gives the sermon, and as he was wrapping up, he said something probably like this, stand with me. Kidding. Peter, Peter shares, and he says this, Acts uh, 2, verse 38 through 40, if you want to go there with me. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Then verse 41 Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So many of us are familiar with the story. Tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit comes through. 3,000 were added to the kingdom that day. So, what does this mean about community? Verse 42, we can look at that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Community. They applied. So in a community, in a community, community expands just mechanics for Christian fellowship. They applied what, what was being taught by the apostles. That's what they did. By the teacher, they applied it. They tried it. And they experimented with it. They did it. 
How often do we find within this generation that people only want to learn by the things that they do rather than the lessons of others? They did it, they listened to it, they pursued it. We need to be careful that we have ears to hear because too many of us only want to learn through our own experiences. What good is impartation? Impartation is giving someone the knowledge that I have, right? Impartation is I impart to you the things that I've learned, that I've done. So as parents, many of us want to impart to our kids the lessons that we've learned. Don't drive fast or you'll get a speeding ticket. What good is impartation if the kid or if the person we're imparting to will only um, hear it and never do it, right? So we've all heard the famous saying, I want my ceiling to be your floor. Many of us, in theory, like, I want that, I want that, I want that. But what happens is, is when we try to impart our knowledge to people, what happens is the people then say, well, I want to learn it myself. Their floor, their, their floor, Therefore, their ceiling is never that person's floor because that person never wanted to submit to the teaching of that person. Make sense? So in a community, what helps propel people is to actually honor and value the people in charge in such a way that they say, I don't understand it, but I'll do it. My my ceiling will be the next generation's floor because the next generation honors and values the leadership in such a way that they say, I don't understand it. Maybe one day I will, but I'll be willing to do it. In a community, we need to be able to do that. This can only take place when we devote ourselves to the people God has placed in our lives to help lead us. So my question to you is, who in your life are you submitting to? Like really, who in your life, who's discipling you? Who are you submitting to? Who are you asking hard questions to? I don't care how old you are and I don't care how young you are. Who are you submitting to? In this community, what ended up happening is um, the church in Acts, they did what Peter, Peter said. They honored it. They valued it. They probably didn't always understand it, but they did it. So they applied what was being taught. They devoted themselves to fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. It is essential to devote yourself to meeting with people who have the same goal and belief in mind. So one of the challenges and one of the best perspectives of the Bible is there's always like this side and there's always this side. One of the things that's always preached down the throat of Christians is go serve the least of these. Do it. Because then they'll bring up the scripture, whatever you do unto the least of these, you've done unto me. And then you start to feel guilty because you're like, I'm not serving the least of these. Well, you do. You need to. We talked about that a couple months ago. Faith without works is dead. We, we need to serve the least of these, but there's always serve the least of these and. And what else do we do? devote ourselves to fellowship and breaking of bread into prayer with believers. So there's serve the least of these and there's meet with believers. We need them both. 
Scripture doesn't say passively meet with. It doesn't say convince yourself you've met with. It says, take it serious. Devote yourself. Take it serious. Take it serious. And that means when I start to tell myself I don't have time for community, when that means I don't have time for fellowship, it means I need to begin to take it serious. I need to find new ways to engage in the community. And it means that I can do simple things to break bread and to pray with them, right? Those are the things that I should be doing when I meet with other believers. Yeah, we can watch Ohio State beat Michigan. I have 365 days to, con- 364 maybe now to continue to say that. We can talk about Ohio State beating Michigan, but you know what we'll also do? We're going to break bread and we're going to pray. We're going to encourage. We're going to bring life. So let's continue. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily. So what is normal Christianity? I'll tell you based upon this scripture that I feel like um, it's telling us a piece of what normal Christianity is. I wish I had my pulpit 3000 up here. I could put my water up here. Jason and uh, Andrew took it down though. Normal Christianity points first is Christ is always, Christ at the center of our community always unifies us together. Real community provides for any and all of the needs of those around us. Real community meets regularly, and then fruit comes from real community. So, number one, Christ at the center of life unifies our community. Everyone in Acts chapter 2, it says everyone had everything in common. Those there had everything in common. That's unique because what I know is that many of us have many differences in here today. But the scripture's telling us that the group in Acts had everything in common. Now, it didn't mean that they all loved the color purple, it didn't mean they all loved the color blue. It probably meant they all loved Ohio State. I think what it meant is that the core of their heart, the things that they valued, was Christ crucified and resurrected. That was the goal. That was the commonality that brought them together. When they met together, what was common was Christ crucified. Life bringing in their life. What I've realized is that um, as they met, we'll get there in a second, a decision to force yourself to do something is good, but a heart change is best. So many of us in this room, um, we, wanna, we, we talk about unity, 
and sometimes we force unity, right? I know I have to meet with this person this week and I really don't want to, but I have to force community. And whenever we have to forcefully do something that's for God, what should that reveal to us? That a heart change is needed, right? If we have to be forced to read the Bible, that's okay. But rather than forcing your way through it, why don't you stop right there and say, God, help me desire to read your word. If we have to force to meet with other believers, stop right there and say, God, help change my heart to want to meet with your believers. Your scripture says we need fellowship, we need community. Scripture alludes to this being normal. Because what's common is for the world to tell us, save your time. Be alone for a week if that's what you need. Spend your resources on yourself. You should maybe use your resources, but you really need to be thinking about where, Joey, where are you going to be in 60 years? What are you going to do with your money in 60 years, Joey? Will I be alive in 60 years? See, exactly, Margaret. Amen. I'm, not, I'm probably not going to be alive in 60 years. Maybe I will be. I don't know. We're so often about me, 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 and we're missing the needs of the community immediately around us. Where's your faith? God gave, God gave, he's the very breath in my lungs. Where's my faith to take a risk? You know what? Maybe I'll only have a 40-year financial plan now because I helped some brothers and sisters around me, right? Now, I'm not saying go cash in and start giving to all the needs. What I am challenging you to say is, God, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? How can I be utilized today? Be willing to get rid of it. Anything that you hold onto without asking God about is an idol in your life. Anything that you have to question before you give it up is an idol. So, nevertheless, let's pray that God helps us change our heart for community today, right? That he helps unify us in such a way. Let's pray about that because it does challenge us to think about meeting with people regularly. <coughs> now, some of us do it very well. So Christ unifies us, point one. Point two, real community provides for any and all the needs of those around us. I don't know where to take that one. I know where the um, super spiritual will take it. I know where the um, other side wants us to take it. And there's such a balance here that Scripture says, look, they provided for all the needs of those around us. Well, what does that mean about the vacation I want to go on? I've been worn out. I've been tired. Don't I need a vacation? Well, what about the movie I really wanted to buy? Well, what about, well, what about, well, what about? They provided for everyone in need. It's a challenge for me. I don't, I'm not saying don't go on vacation. I'm not saying don't save. But what I am saying, again, we bring it back to this, is they were willing to provide for the needs of those around them. And what I also know is that Christ was truly at the center of this community 
because he had to transform their hearts. There had to be true transformation that take, takes place. And again, transformation only takes place when we're restored back to a relationship with Christ, not held to a standard of rules. There was something so unique about this chapter in Acts that they were willing to sell everything, to get rid of everything for the greater good of the community. When we identify that our hearts are unwilling to go there, what should we do? I gave you the answer. God, help change my heart. God, help change my heart. Help me live the way that you want me to live. A real community, point number three, meets regularly. Not, not sees the green dot. Green dot's on Facebook saying that you're on, online. That's not meeting regularly. Meeting regularly, regularly is not just Sunday mornings. Meeting regularly is weekly, right? Bible studies, dinners, helping someone do something. If they need help painting, help them. If they need help um, moving wood, help them. Meet regularly. Fruit comes when a community is at work. So we see here in this small chapter or small piece in Acts chapter two, the community, when they came together, there was fruit. You wanna know how much fruit there was? 3,000 people were added to the kingdom that day. As a community, if we want to see the church grow, if we wanna see the kingdom um, expansion, if we want to see the big dreams in our heads take place, what do we need to do well? Community. We need to do community well. Because actually, community is something that I believe is going to be in heaven. God wants us to almost do heaven here on earth. Community. Practice heaven here on earth. Community. Love. Patience. Kindness. Giving up your desires for someone else's. And when we do that, God shows up. So if we need a miracle, what's one way we know God shows up? When we do community well. If someone needs a healing, we need a miracle, let's do community well. I believe that we have a generation of people, generation, all that's alive, that can and often get so caught up and taught that we should do what's best for us that it has become common. That's what's common. It's all about me. So it's simple. Community can be simple. The church in Acts, and we are the church today in Mechanicsburg, committed themselves to the apostles' teachings. God uh, moved in and around lives when they met together. And there was a sense of belonging. So just as, just as I introduced earlier that we can't live on bread alone, likewise, you can't live by yourself. 
You can't do this walk by yourself. You're not gonna see God move as powerfully by yourself. And I'll carefully say, you won't see God move as powerfully if your only community is your immediate family. You need to expand the people and the community that you fellowship with more than just your immediate family. That means Macy and I have to expand. That means um, we all need to expand. That means those of you who t- today who are like, well, what do I do? Ask someone random to go out to coffee. Because we're united in Christ. Many of us don't know um, our preferences today, but many of us in this room have something in common. You want to know what that is? We're here because we, we, we either love Jesus or we want to know more about Jesus. So anyone in this room should be able to have a conversation about where they are with Christ or what their thoughts are. So, therefore, as the pastor of the church, um, I'm asking you, just as the people in um, Acts submit to the teachings of Peter, they did what Peter said. As the pastor, I want to challenge you guys this month, or, yeah, within the next 30 days, to have two meals with people within the church. In 30 days, have two meals with someone within the church. So one of those meals can be with good old buddy, right? person that I always get to hang out with. Good old buddy. The other meal should be with a person that you just, you're familiar with, but you've never really had a meal with them or coffee. Okay? A meal with a good old buddy and a meal with someone you're uncomfortable with. If you have a problem paying for that meal or that coffee, let me know and we will fix that. Amen? The other thing I want you to do is I really want you to seriously consider getting into a small group. Maybe you need to form a small group. Maybe you have a passion about teaching something. So maybe, um, yeah, maybe you just need to explore a small group or getting into that. Because I, I promise you, you will begin to feel more full and accepted and valued when you do that. Two meals or coffees, join a small group and watch what God does. Nevertheless, I'm very serious. We should all try this. I don't care where you are, where you are spiritually today. Try it, try it, try it. So um, nevertheless, we need to ask God who he wants us to grow and fellowship with within our church. So why don't you guys stand with me? I know that today community seems like such a hard idea for many of us. Let's just get a gauge for it. Communities, you can be honest, and this isn't a really private question. Um, Does community seem hard for some of us? Just by a raise of hands. Some of us. That's good. Yeah, good. Is by raise of hand, well, no. 
We don't need more raises of hands today. Community is a, is a challenging thing for many of us. Um, or even our idea of community is a little off. I want to ask you guys this today. Are you willing to ask God this today? Today, God, I want, I want to be willing to engage a community more. Will you help me understand what normal Christian community looks like? And then, will you be willing to step into it? Let's pray. God, Father, help us as a community, as uh, believers, know and understand what you're calling us to, how to love, how to be patient, how to be kind, how to engage. Father, I believe just as much as we need your word, we also need each other. We need the body. What good is a body without a heart? So God, help us value the body. Help us value the pieces as we step into normal Christianity. Bless us this week. Make it clear to us who we're supposed to speak to. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, ain't gonna lie. Someone right now could engage community and they can invite someone to lunch on the way out. You can get it done real quick. Check it off the list. <laughs>